it's not it's not big and glamorous it's it is you know nose in the dirt grind and that was the biggest thing as far as just this is going to be a job this is this is not just a game this is this is work this is tough this is a job and you got to earn every second you're here pretty much Welcome to episode four of From Phenom to the Farm, an interview series presented by Baseball America. My name is Kyle Bandujo, and I am your host. First things first, hope everyone listening staying safe. It's a scary, uncertain world out there right now. Here's hoping this podcast can give you an hour or so of, of solid distraction. On this podcast, we've been talking to current and former pro ball players who signed out of high school about the story of their professional career. Today we're talking to Luke Bailey, a former top catching prospect and fourth round pick by the Rays in 2009. Luke's story is a perfect example of the grind of minor league baseball and what kind of toll that grind can take out of someone, both mentally and physically. Paraphrasing Luke's own words, baseball can humble you, but it's also a story of how someone can find joy and redemption in the game. I'm appreciative that he took the time to do this interview and share his story. If you enjoy this interview and want to hear upcoming episodes as soon as they're released every other Tuesday, please subscribe to this feed. Also, go check out our three previous episodes with former Braves left-hander Eric O'Flaherty, Nationals prospect J.P. Ramirez, and dual sports star Josh Booty. Also, if you feel so inclined, please leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts on this feed as those do help the podcast. Make sure to check out everything going on at BaseballAmerica.com. Just because baseball is shut down doesn't mean the content has. There's been new in-depth pieces every day on BA tracking this pandemic's effect on all facets of baseball, as well as some other great pieces just to take your mind off that. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Banduho. I'll be posting updates on this series with future guest and episode info, as well as my weekly sports movie podcast, Big Screen Sports. With that, I hope you enjoy the fourth episode of From Phenom to the Farm with Luke Bailey. Okay, I am joined via the phone by Luke Bailey, uh, 2009 fourth-round pick by the Rays. Luke, thanks so much for taking the time to talk about your experience as a high school signee. I appreciate you having me. Of course, looking forward to this. Uh, Let's start off, um, Luke, just kind of describe your baseball background. Where did you grow up? When did you start playing? Were you a baseball-only guy? Yeah, I mean, I I it started when I was, you know, real little, I mean, when I was three and four, I was constantly carrying around a bat, uh, throwing up rocks, hitting them, throwing up a ball in the yard and hitting it. Uh, but, you know, I kind of tried to play every sport um, as, as much as I could, you know, all the way, even rollerblade, hockey, tried to play as much as I could. But it was mainly it was mainly baseball. I kind of I just I mean, I, I noticed that I was good at it. And, you know, like anything else, it's a lot more fun when you're good at something. And uh, and that's just kind of gravitated to it and it was just you know there's always a love for it and what brought you to catching in particular because you were drafted as a catcher well it's funny because i guess in machine pitch um you know whatever age that is eight nine my buddy that i grew up with he was a left-handed guy and he was catching and i was playing first base and then we went into kids pitch and we swapped and so he was the first, and I was catching, and I just, I always, I don't know what it was, it was, the excitement of throwing somebody out. It was constantly being in the game. It was something about, I guess, being tough. Like, if 
if you got hit, you know, you kind of showed that you were tougher than everybody else. Um, the part I was absolutely in love with. So you're a catcher through and through then. You weren't a guy who got, got switched there late in high school or anything. Um, so, so when did you know that being a professional baseball player, being a professional catcher was actually a real possibility for you? Um, I guess when I was 14 years old, um, I started, uh, just having communications with colleges and, uh, and getting a lot of attention from, you know, from SEC schools. And, and, uh, and that's when I kind of realized that this was a possibility and, um, you know, within those next few years, is I really understood how good I was, I guess, as a uh, or how good I thought I was as a uh, as a catcher and 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 as a baseball player in general. It was it was a very exciting time. So you end up um, you commit to Auburn, but heading into the spring of your senior year was was college was Auburn still something you were excited about, looking forward to? Or was your focus more on putting yourself in a position to sign? Like, would you, would you say that professional baseball out of high school was your goal? Or just the thing of, if it happens, it happens, but I'm looking forward to college? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, I guess my junior year is when I knew that, you know, I was going to, the draft was what I was looking looking to. And, and everything was gearing up towards that, um, you know, and and, and I was very, very thankful for Auburn and for all the colleges that recruited me and uh, showed me so much attention. And um, and it was really, you know, that was all a blessing in itself. But I knew that the draft was going to be my route. It was, I guess, my junior year after my junior season, you know, the preseason senior rankings or preseason draft rankings for 2009 when um, I was – was ranked the top catching prospect going into the draft and that's that was a a real eye-opener just uh just couldn't believe that it was all happening so you you got those pre-draft rankings there's a lot of expectations on you going into your senior year how do you think that affected you on field is that something that you thought about with every bat every you know every runner who took off on you I, i can't imagine that was very often but anyone you know was that uh was that something that you were kind of carrying with you, or were you able to compartmentalize that and still play normally? Uh, I mean, I guess I always kind of played confident, you know, not cocky, not not showing people up, but just playing confident and uh, and and catching ahead. You know, it just it it made catching better. Um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of people that tried to steal my you know sophomore junior senior year but it it definitely affected me my senior year at the plate as far as hitting and I mean I was I was trying to hit the farthest balls anybody's ever seen uh to every pitch every swing that was definitely a negative on the whole thing that was that was not taken very mature at bats for the for the scouts in the stands as far as how your friends and family were were treating you or supporting you, was there anyone in your life at all who was like, "Hey, maybe you should you should think twice about about the draft or going to college"? Or was everyone kind of all in with you and, "Hey, keep you know keep playing that the pro route is the best route for you." Uh, everybody gave me the support of going pro uh, right away. It everybody, I guess you know, I'm not to talk about myself or anything. But it just, I guess it just, 
with some players in baseball, well, really anybody that goes into pro ball, I guess you have the wow factor. And it was a big, you know, a lot of long discussions with my agent and, you know, my parents and my friends and, and just to make sure we were making the right decision. And we finally, you know, set a number uh, and, and that's what they hit. And then, I mean, everybody was very supportive. Uh, my friends, my family, especially my coaches were all very supportive and excited about pro ball. So it, it sounds like pro ball is pretty set in stone until about April. You know, walk me through that. Your elbow starts barking. I assume TJ yeah. pretty soon after it was, it was early in the, my senior year. I actually took a swing. I kind of rolled over real bad and, and my elbow was kind of giving me problems, nothing throwing wise. Um, but, you know, it was not a big concern. It was just it felt like early high school season kind of elbow tendonitis almost. I mean, you always get that soreness just from a lot of the times uh, high school players, their arms aren't ready for the season. Most of the time they don't throw enough and getting ready. And we did. Our coach, uh, Craig Garner, always ran a great offseason program. And, and, I mean, physically, I, I that was the strongest I've ever been in my life was my – sophomore junior and senior year high schools but as far as throwing you just got that normal soreness and it was a cold spring break game we were playing a team from miami and there was a lot of scouts there there was a lot of national cross checkers there and we were winning and i've you know i just always wanted to be you know in the moment and i was sitting there begging him to go in and close and i just threw a pitch and it wasn't a, it wasn't a drop to my knees pain. I've seen a bunch of tough guys, you know, tear their elbow and, and they're, you know, it's killing them. Mine was almost just a, a burn in my elbow. And I, at first I didn't know what it was. It was the fear of, you know, the, the UCL ligament, but I, yeah, it was just, it was that quick. I mean, as soon as I tore it, all the st- uh, scouts in the stands, you know, they stood up and they walked out before the game was over. Not a nice visual to see, I'm sure. Uh, no, it was, uh, it's, it's not at all. I mean, it's, everything happens for a reason, you know, I fully believe, but that was not, that wasn't a fun day at all. Well, you have, you have your surgery and then the draft, the pre-draft process, I assume kind of ends for you in a way. You're not playing in front of scouts anymore or anything. You're kind of just playing a waiting game. What are those those month or two? What, what's that like for you? How are you, you know, how'd you kind of mentally grapple with that, that you, you couldn't really do anything about your situation? I don't know if I fully understood what was going on at that time. I mean, just the gravity of everything. Uh, I mean, I just, in my head, I was, you know, still getting drafted, still, everything was still good but you know it, it was it was the thoughts of college the, the thoughts of going now going to a junior college the thoughts of what if i you know i mean just a lot of what ifs a lot of scenarios a lot of praying a lot of talking and uh you know and that was then we and that was actually when we gave the number for uh, the draft. I mean, as far as the amount that it would take for me to go and, and it was just a tough, it was a really tough decision. I mean, the, the thought of going to a junior college, 
was that all of a sudden became a very likely option, you know, to go and, and DH somewhere and maybe, and then go and do the draft again. How much for you do you think the the desire to play pro ball was between, you know, the, just, just it's life-changing money, obviously, um, you know, you're 18 years old, but how much of it to you was also, I want to go play against the best, or I want to be a professional. Do you think it was kind of a 50-50 thing? Can't, you know, a great opportunity for money, but also that's where I want to play, or was one more impactful than the other, you think? Yeah, I I nonstop since I was a kid, since I was throwing up a rock and hitting it in the driveway, just wanted to be the best that ever was. I wanted to be the best catcher that ever was, not just, not just the best catcher on the field or then in the tournament or in the draft. It was just I always wanted to be the best that there ever was. And I mean, my expectations were you know very high, but I that was always a dream was just to be the best that the catcher that's ever been. And uh, and then just, you know, that happened and it was just a little bump in the road. It seemed like, I mean, just just try to. Um, make the right decisions and and move forward so then walk me through through draft day you're uh, sitting on a couch you're sitting somewhere elbow in a sling what is that what is that process like it was it was different it was definitely different than I saw it happening early in my high school season um but you know just sitting there watching tv knowing that the situation was different and at the same time seeing all of my friends that I've played with throughout this process, uh, getting interviewed and being on TV, that part was, it was great. I mean, it was, there's no jealousy. It was just, it was just pure happiness for, for a lot of good guys that were, that were getting signed. I mean, you got, uh, Zach Wheeler when he was getting interviewed, um, you know, Donovan Tate, when he was, you know, he got drafted high and all these guys, Nick Franklin, when, you know, he went and I mean, just a lot of friends went in the first uh, two rounds. It was awesome watching them on TV and, and, uh, you know, and I knew that my day was probably the next day. So, you know, went to bed and woke up and just kind of went through the day as, far as seeing what would happen i mean you, it's kind of a waiting game you just wait to see who's going to call and i mean i knew it was down to about four teams that that were willing to hit my number and take me at a certain round and the rays called and, and um you know they said hey you know we'll take you in the third round and then i was like all right great so we sat there and watched the computer and then you know they called back again they said would you We'll give you the same amount of money. If we take, is it all right if we take in the fourth round? Uh, we want to get this guy in the third that might not be there again. And I said, yeah, sure. I mean, I don't, I don't really care. You know, whatever, whenever you want to take me is fine as long as you know, as long as you take me. So, uh, you know, and they did it. It was just kind of a, it was almost a weight of stress, a weight of anxiety, just everything lifted, excitement, um, and then just once. I guess once I saw my name pop up on the computer, it just everything changed. Um, just a career started, you know, and just seeing what would come after that. 
With that number kind of pre-agreed on, was there any no drama in the signing process for you? Just pretty much put on the hat, sign the contract? Yeah, actually it was great. Um, the Rays, they actually let me – I did my rehab after surgery at home, you know, with a bunch of checkups with Dr. Andrews in Birmingham. And it was actually great. They, the Rays told me that, you know, hey, you just you hang out at the home, do your rehab, uh, sign late, and we'll see you down here. And uh, so that's what I did, and it was actually – it was a great – it was one of the most memorable summers that I ever had just because everything was baseball before that. Everything was, you know, striving and working to get to that point. So when it finally happened, it was almost like I had a, a celebratory summer. I hung out with, you know, my friends and my family and and almost just, just took it easy. I mean, I rehabbed and I, you know, I stayed in shape and I stayed ready, uh, but you know, I knew it was a long process till getting on the field again. So I just, I just enjoyed the moment. Well, as far as that long process and getting on the field again, you know, when when you put pen to paper, what were your expectations of? Cause, you know, a lot of guys sign and they're ready to get out, at least get to the GCL or anything. You had you had to play a natural waiting game with that. What were your expectations for? and your personal goals for when you were going to get on the field and, and what your timeline was going to be, what were your, your expectations for yourself as far as your rise through the minor leagues since you couldn't start right away? Uh, well, you know, first it was to get my arm ready. Um, you know, the timeline of that, they say around a year, you know, give or take. And, you know, when I signed the paper and put the hat on and went to the dome and, and met all the guys and went in the you know the, the clubhouse and hung out and it was it was all surreal. I mean it was. I remember seeing Todd Green, which I knew him from before the draft, and I just saw him a lot with the travel team that I played with, uh, and just talking to him and and just you know hearing everything he said, just trying to soak it all up. And, but just to get ready to get ready to throw again, um, it was a lot. I mean I'm pretty sure. My very first day of rehab, I was running. There was a bunch of pitchers. I mean, monsters, six five, six six, and we're doing just striding out sprints to center. Um, and so we take off, and, and I'm trying to, you know, run fast, and all these monsters are jogging, uh, running the same speed, and uh, and then we get to the cone, and I turn around and line back up on the line, and I said, no, 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 you know, we. You're gonna you're gonna rest for a little bit. We're gonna stride this out. It was just it's kind of like now you're you're with grownups. You're with the big boys. You're you know this is professional. You you do it right. And you don't just run sprints nonstop till you can't breathe anymore like high school ball. Um, but then I stride it back on the, on the way back and kind of tweak my hamstring on the very first day. <laughs> not a not a great first first right. day for you then. Yeah yeah. As far as is getting health, you know, aside from just getting your elbow healthy, getting yourself in kind of pro shape, what were you in the organization focused on as far as getting better from, you know, the time you signed in with your rehab, getting up closer to 2010 before you headed out to the GCL? Was there a lot of, I mean, pro teams don't seem to be the types to just kind of be hands off. Was there anything they were implementing with you or working with you on before you know, you headed out to your, your first assignment in the GCL. Yeah. 
for me, it was, it was really, you know, even when I started throwing again, um, my arm strength, they told me, you know, the first year it's going to be different. You're, you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to have your regular strength back. Um, and they were right. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a dramatic difference, but it just, I didn't have the zip on my ball. Like I usually do. Um, that wasn't really a big concern. The biggest thing with me was getting comfortable in the box again. I mean, that was, that was one of the things that, that had a big impact on my career with the Rays. I, uh, I struggled at the plate a lot. Uh, and it started with just not using it as excuse, but going from high school ball and then taking a year off and being this big prospect that the Rays got, uh, and then going, taking a year off and then going facing all these guys that are slinging it. And, uh, and I was over swinging, trying to prove myself. I think I was trying to prove myself more then than I was before the draft, just taking really immature at bats, trying to hit every ball, out of the park and it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> you know, you, you go from a, a year prior facing mostly, you know, I'd assume high school, you're mostly guys in the eighties, you know, occasionally, right. you know, you know, a guy who can bump it up, guy who's going to go somewhere after, um, not only you're dealing with that jump with hitting, but behind the dish, every guy you catch also has pro stuff, which I'm sure was a, a difference from, from high school. It, it sounds like the, the jump to hitting was tougher than another, but I mean, there's a reason that, you know, not to put down the importance of other positions, obviously there's a reason that guy, the teams move guys off catcher. If their bat's going to be ready earlier, you know, like a Bryce Harper, because there's a lot to take in. How'd you kind of manage, you know, trying to, trying to progress in, in both factors working on, you know, suddenly you're handling these guys with pro stuff, but also you're trying to, you know, work on your swing, work on your approach, everything like that. Is that tough to manage? Very, very, especially, I guess, just everything above, especially being an 18-year-old kid, supposed to be a big prospect, you know, got hurt, trying to prove myself in every aspect. Uh, and the, the physical demands of, of baseball, people have no idea about. You're playing a game every day. You know, it's in the summer. It's hot. You're. It's very, very hard just to get your body back from the day before, just to get rehydrated, just to get your strength back. You know, just to whatever pain you might have got hit the day before. You might have a tight this or that. Um, the physical aspects of it were, you know, just a huge jump, um, going from playing 30 games in high school to, you know, just a short season of playing 70 games. Um, that was one deal. It's just how to be in professional baseball shape as a catcher, especially, um, you know, Bill Evers, uh, he was the assistant, uh, field coordinator and he was a, a huge impact and Jamie Nelson um, was the first catching coordinator that I had and talking to those guys a lot you know there was a lot of times of them getting on me um, you know me just trying to grow up fast in the baseball world and just to to handle a pitching staff to learn how to you know control your staff learn how to get yourself ready every day 
on the side handle however you're hitting uh, it's, it's a it's a lot it's a lot to take in it's a lot to adjust to and prioritize especially and to develop that routine and whatever you need to do was there any specific welcome to you know pro ball moment that first summer in the GCL? Any any specific game or even at bat or instance in the field where you're like this is this is going to be a little <laughs> bit more difficult than I might have thought? Yeah, every day in the GCL, every single day when you are getting up and you're leaving your apartment at six thirty, you know everybody you're driving in the truck is asleep. Uh, and you get to the field, you know, and it's 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 minor league spring training all year round, except it's hotter. <laughs> it, it's it, every day. I mean, we were in Port Charlotte, Florida, and it's one of the hottest places I ever played. <laughs> Florida's not usually known for its its cool, even temperatures. No, 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 it's not. It, it's the humidity and the you know we didn't get a ton of wind in Port Charlotte. You know, for some reason it. It was just hot, man. It was, you know, every day you go out there and you you get your workout in, you get your pre-work in, you get, you know, all the small stuff. You catch your pins and you're back in the clubhouse by 11 and you're getting ready for a one o'clock game and uh, you eat lunch and you go back out there and it seems hotter. And, you know, you try to take a cold shower to cool yourself off and you're already sweating again. And, uh, and then it's, you know, pre, pre-game work. You know, pregame blocking, pregame receiving, getting the pitcher ready, and then you go into the game, and and there's you know maybe a couple parents there watching, and that's it. I mean, it's not it's not big and glamorous. It's it is you know nose in the dirt grind, and it, that was the biggest thing as far as just this is going to be a job. This is this is not just a game. This is this is work. This is tough. This is a job, and you got to earn every second you're here, pretty much. I think a, a similar thing you hear from most guys who play in the GCL is their number one goal, you know, becomes just get out of the GCL. You know, uh, right. not, yeah, <laughs> not not the you know not not the the dream pro ball life that that guys think it might be. Um, but you know, it, it's probably not the same as your experiences later on, and you know, in full season ball. But you're still you're still in a way learning how to, to be on your own for the first time, uh, you know, just just like you would have been if you were in college in a way, just just out on your own, but with with a little more freedom, I would think than um, you know than in college. How are you, you know, how how did you prep to be in the position that you were suddenly in financially? You go from you know a, a year prior, you're you need your parents to buy you some food and you know make you dinner so you yeah. can eat, and and suddenly you're your own man. Yeah. Um, that was, that was, that was crazy. Uh, that was, you know, that was one of the better memories of the GCL. Uh, you know, that was, I was in the GCL, the uh, 2010. So that was a year that Justin O'Connor signed with the Rays, uh, Ryan Brett signed. And, you know, with those two guys, we three became really good friends. Um, we actually just had a vacation together not too long ago, but, you know, we were all three high picks and, and it was, you know, GCO, you're off on Sunday. So every Sunday we were deep sea fishing. We were on a charter boat, deep sea fishing, um, every, almost every night, you know, we were eating steak or sushi. I mean, it was just, it, that 
part of it was kind of crazy and surreal just to my biggest thing was food i mean i was eating <laughs> i was eating good i was not eating a cheap dinner i was going out and and treating myself to something good and a lot of it not to divert for the financial question but you you mentioned justin o'connor and i just have to ask i mean you guys were both drafted to play the same position what is that dynamic like uh for me and him it was awesome we're we're a lot alike personality wise we're you know we me and him compete in everything we did and then even you know and it was it was not different on the field but it was such a good relationship because we were you know there for each other we picked each other up when one got out and the other had to you know go warm up the pitcher for him I mean we we split every other game he caught then I caught and we weren't catching we were hitting um and it it kind of even bonded our relationship even closer just to kind of know what the other one's going through um and uh you know kind of have somebody there and and that was actually he was a transition guy i mean he was a shortstop infielder and to for him to go to catch i mean I, I tried to help him with everything that helped me as a catcher like i said i i started catching when i was 12 and that was that was it i i, I stayed there my whole career and the only time i played something different was the uh, in team usa i played third base and so to i was trying to help him just kind of evolve as a catcher and yeah, and it turns out he's one of the best catch and throw guys I ever been around. Um, just to have somebody like that, it kind of, it helped a lot. And like I said, he's one of my best friends all time. And uh, just we pushed each other a lot, and we competed. We you know, video games, bowling, whatever it was, golf. We were it, it was it was intense. <laughs> so it sounds like you guys kind of mentored each other. Because, uh, you know, one of the things I, I like to ask with this series, I, I'd like to ask guys is, is who were you kind of leaning on? I think in college, there's more of an obvious, you know, who, you know, who coaches, you know, who daddy is, you know, who you've got to go to for everything. You know, who obviously the upperclassmen and the seniors are um, pro ball. It's a little different dynamic. Was there anyone, any, you know, coaches Were you still leaning on your parents, just people to, you know, lean on anyone who who you'd go to when you needed advice either baseball or off the field and anyone to help you with with tj rehab um you know someone to to kind of walk you through that uh yeah one of the biggest ones was steven vote i mean he's a big leaguer now and he's one of the best clubhouse guys in baseball uh, but he was you know through some of my parents friends we got linked up while he was down there rehabbing and and he was a big one he immediately asked me to come over one night and play cards and introduce me to pluck and uh some card games that would be in good use for the rest of my career and still are but uh you know he he just a very mature guy very you know he's had a lot of ups and downs in his career at that point and uh you know and that was before he even turned it around and and then you know became the standout that he is now and um Justin O'Connor, like I said, I mean, having him there for support, and and then my catching coordinator Jamie Nelson through the the rehab and and even into the you know the problems and the the injuries that I'd have in the future. I mean, and me and Nelly still talk to this day, uh, just catching up on everything, and you know those guys were 
were a big part of me as a, as a young pro. Well, you finally you finally get you play out 2010. You finally get out of the GCL in, in 2011. You head to to Bowling Green. You head to full season ball, the Midwest League. You uh, you, you played in the GCL. You talked about how hot and humid, humid it is. You're a Georgia guy. Georgia's hot and humid. Yeah. The Midwest League is cold, especially in April. You're having to throw on the catching gear every day. Did you have a game plan or you know prepare? you know, any preparation for how demanding that might be on your body or were you just kind of learning on the fly how to take care of your body in this first experience in full season ball and, in, in you know, April, May weather up in Bowling Green? I was, I, I, I listened to people and I, you know, they, they, even they told us, you know, in spring training before we broke the guys that are going to full season for the first year, you know, you're not going to know, you don't know what to expect. You don't know how to get your body ready. You don't know what you need to do. Uh, and so they give you these tips and you, you try to follow them, but you still, you don't know what you specifically need. So, you know, I just kind of went with it. I tried to get myself in the best shape I could. Uh, you know, and it was, as soon as we broke, as soon as we got up there, that was, it was kind of felt like I was in the big leagues almost just, uh, as soon as we get there, you know, you got picture day, you got all this stuff, you got um, all this media happening, and it it was a very fun experience, and that was almost one of the biggest pro ball experiences as well. Um, just welcome to pro ball was our we opened up in Dayton, and Dayton and they had like a still do probably like a four-year streak of sellouts so dayton you know, draws very well but you yes. know i think i think they're the the top draw in low a yes they're i mean just constant i mean you're playing in front of, i don't know what their stadium holds but it's packed i mean i know it's around six thousand seven thousand people um every single game so that was that was awesome um and it, i don't know just just getting to a long season it was it was kind of a, a breath of fresh air just going you know just getting out of the GCL like we talked about finally getting out of there and and getting to you know just I guess more fun baseball again um, it was a great feeling as soon as I got there the, I mean it, it seemed you know that would have been two years I think probably since your since your last high school game that you played in front of more than fifty people yeah I would I would imagine yeah. with that. You know, you mentioned it was more fun, uh, but also, you know, minor league baseball from the from the player perspective, from the organization perspective, is more focused on development than bringing a championship home to Bowling Green. Is that right. is it is it hard to kind of get up for a game knowing that you know, kind of kind of knowing that that it, it's in the end more about your personal development. Or with that breath of fresh air, just getting out of the GCL, it made you it made it easier to just enjoy everything about playing in the Midwest League. Well, uh, it doesn't really take away how you go about the game. I mean, we're all competitive. We don't want to lose in ping pong. We don't want to lose in a game. You know, it, it's it wasn't about it's it's you're right. It's not about taking home a championship. It's about developing you. You know, for the business for the big league team, developing you on what they could use you as in the big leagues. And, you know, in that aspect, it's, that's about giving everything you got every single play, you know, the big leaguers, those guys that are established, they, they ground out to first, 
they're taking it easy to first base, not because they're lazy, not because they don't hustle, but because they're conserving their legs. They're being smart. They're a million-dollar athlete. They're being smart about their body and, you know, just playing the game smart. And you don't do that in the minor leagues. You you ground out to first. You're on the stopwatch. You're running. So, you know, when you get out of bed and you're sore, you're feel dehydrated. I mean, I drank at least – a Pedialyte a day. But majority of my career, I'm just trying to get fluids back in me, trying to get prepared for that day. And, you know, then you, you get your, you try to get your body going every day. And, and the beginning of the season is very easy, especially when you open up in Dayton. Uh, it's very easy to get out of bed and it's very easy to get ready for that game. But, you know, towards the middle or the end of that season, it's it's not so easy. And getting out of the GCL means you're also getting into minor league travel schedule, minor league bus rides. You know, how how does a long bus ride feel after a few games behind the dish? Uh, it's it doesn't feel great. Um I mean, but you know, saying that I was I was nineteen, twenty years old, so I really didn't have too many excuses. Um there was guys on the same bus that were 25 or 30 you know doing the same thing so it really the bus rides and midwest league we had some long ones we had you know 13 15 hour bus rides but you know they they treated us great they they stopped made sure we had food um everything was good you know towards the end of my career when i was in indie ball those bus rides were a lot worse uh driving from laredo texas to fargo north dakota they were they were a little tougher then. Yeah, that sounds like the that long bus ride sounds like a nightmare. So you don't have any uh any bus ride horror stories from the Midwest League then? Uh no. They were they were all they were all pretty good. Um you know, there were times where the air went out, you know, being in the Midwest League and it's cold in the beginning of it, but Kentucky gets hot like the rest of them in the summer and uh there was multiple times where the whole bus is in their boxers. Just the air was out and it was hot. I mean, you come in after a day game. I remember we were in Iowa um, and the air was out after a game and, and I'm a sweater. I was, I'd ring wet every single game after catching. And I can empathize with that. Yeah. We came in and, you know, showered and after you get out of the shower, you know, you're still sweating, but you get on the bus, the air's out. It's been sitting out there in the parking lot the whole game. And that was, that was one of the, other than the, the end and the independent ball, that was, that was a tough one. That was a very, very long bus ride home. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, as far as how the season went, your, your first run in full season ball, uh, up until, up until the last month, which we'll talk about in a second, you know, how, how did you feel, you know, what were your impressions about, your you know your your progress you know first time playing close to a full minor league season close to a full season since you you know your you had your surgery you know what was it up and down were you were you encouraged just because you were finally getting to to play minor league baseball you know what what was your how did you you walk away from that season feeling yeah it uh, it was very positive it was very good uh Defensively was great. Uh, I think I was close to around 50% of caught stealing that year. I think 
I had about 13 guys that I picked off third base. There was a few that were bases loaded and, you know, the latter end of games that I was really confident in catching and leading the staff. And we had some older guys. We had some 25, 26, 7-year-old guys on that staff. And to be a 19-year-old kid or 20-year-old kid catching them and, and getting their confidence and and becoming a leader – with them it was it was great um you know the the downside of your first full season is learning your body I mean I had a couple of tweaked hamstrings a couple of tweaked muscles that that happened that you know offensively I it felt like I would start getting in a groove and and then tweak a muscle and be down for a couple weeks or you know a week and and then go right back into trying to get back into a groove so you know offensively it wasn't great. Um, right, I think right at the end of that season, I might have strung together a little bit, but I mean, it's still a below average offensive year. But I mean, it's still the Rays saw it as a very positive year. Um, I saw it as a very positive year. Uh, you know, like you said, up to that last month, pretty much. The uh, the the last month, I you had a wrist issue that shut you down. Is that correct? Yeah. How did that come about, and was it anything that you were worried about long term? Uh, no, I wasn't worried about long term. It just, it was a foul ball. Um, I was catching, and just you know the way I put my wrist, uh, just kind of like any other catcher does before they get hit in the wrist with a foul ball is, you know, just kind of behind your mitt, you know. And I was in my secondary position, uh, foul ball. I went to catch the ball. The guy fouls it off and it hits my throwing wrist and and uh you know it fractures it it you know went through the rest of that game uh just knowing something something felt too weak something didn't feel right and i i've been very very familiar with broken bones um in my life and i, I kind of had a bad feeling about it so you know we get home from that series and get went and got an x-ray and found that it was fractured in which i knew uh, that wasn't too big a deal, and I really wasn't worried about it at all. I was frustrated, you know, just another injury, another thing. You know, those are a lot more frustrating than than a, a muscle injury. Muscle injury, you kind of feel like you're responsible for them, but you, you get hit or break a bone, it kind of just feels like bad luck. And uh, so I just kind of went, you know, went with it and uh, got through that and uh, finally – you know, I was able to make it back for playoffs, which was fun. Um, going through my first playoff experience, and uh, you know, just pretty good playoff playoff run uh, personally. So it it wasn't terrible um, as far as ending the season with that. I mean, it wasn't ideal, but it wasn't you know a terrible thing either. Did anything about your off season routine change after going through like? figuring out what you kind of had to go through in a, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a full and a normal season, did you change anything about how you went about your business getting ready before you went to spring training? Yes. Yes. It was, it was religious legs. Um, about every other day it was, it was doing legs, making sure that I didn't want to go through a tweaked hamstring again. I didn't want to go through kind of tweaking my growing anymore. I wanted to, you know, not, like I said, you feel very responsible every time you have a muscle issue uh, that keeps you out of the lineup. So it was getting my legs in shape and uh, and and trying to 
set a goal and my goal was be below eight percent body fat going into spring training and that was one of the that was one of the hardest off seasons i worked um in pro ball so heading into 2012 uh you, you know you're ticketed to go to high a at that point when you when you reported what were your expectations about your career at that point um you were you're 20 it was going to be your age 21 season uh, going to be you know three years since you signed did you you know just kind of what did you expect of yourself in that upcoming season and in, in as far as your timeline of of getting to the big leagues it was very high expectations for myself i felt great going into spring training i felt confident i think my body fat ended up being around nine percent nine or ten so i was very close to that goal that i hit and uh my expectations were you know through the roof i wanted to be in double a by the end of the year uh you know and then and being in the spring training meetings and being kind of praised on my defensive work on the previous year on you know caught stealings or back picks to third it felt felt really good felt really confident going into spring training so you head to you you know you had oh i guess you don't head there you stay in charlotte for the florida state league you head to high a you know better weather better stadiums for the most part but you get hit with some tough injury luck you play 110 games over two years in high a can you kind of walk me through injuries and what life is like on the minor league dl how do you how do you keep trying to get better if you're you know still if you're trying to get healthy at the same time yeah uh that year was a crazy year i actually somehow developed the yips during spring training and you know kind of knowing where i was going or where i was reporting after spring training it was just it was all surreal uh just kind of slowly developing this you know the yips where you can't throw it to the pitcher you can't throw it to third can't throw it to second so was it it was all bases for you it was everywhere yeah it was everywhere it was a you know and it started out um just by i was cutting the ball a little bit throwing it to second base i was just i was just a hair cutting it you know and i wanted it obviously to travel true i wanted it to spin and and carry and uh to uh, i guess just i started overemphasizing some stuff started doing too much and got a little wild you know i threw a few down you know maybe threw a little over his head i tried to back pick guy on third which in spring training as a catcher you're throwing i mean somebody gets on first you're trying to back pick him just to get throws in just to get work in and i guess i i i kept missing guys and i yeah you know, i thought okay i mean I need to I need to tighten up and stop trying to be so cute and uh, and get this cleaned up and it got a little worse and before I knew it I was bouncing the ball back to the pitcher couldn't throw it in warmups and you start feeling like everybody's looking at you and and you get you get very it's a, a totally totally different feeling of baseball that I never had before and then to take that into the season you know with especially in high a i mean most of the time that's your your spring training and that's where guys go to rehab that's where the big league guys go to you know get through whatever they have going on so you catch a lot of big league pitchers and you know i'll never forget kyle farnsworth being there or jeff neiman all these guys these monsters these big leaguers that i just told them hey man i'm going through a little funk i'm sorry but I might bounce you the ball back and they were just 
they were all, I mean, Kyle Farnsworth was one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And he just, no worries, man. You know, just, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Just, just have fun. And, uh, and that was, that was very, very frustrating. Um, going from one of my strengths was throwing, you know, in baseball, one of my strengths was throwing guys out and to have that kind of just be lost for a little while was super frustrating. Um, ended up just going through a lot and, uh, punching a wall and getting a, a boxer's fracture, you know, which ultimately kind of got me out of the yips, throwing with a splint on. And it was just, it's a very, very hectic year following, you know, a great year in, in low A. <laughs> I mean, I think the yips are, are just one of the most cruel, unexplainable things in sports. I think they're one of the few things that amateur athletes and just anyone who plays any sport can it's one of the few things that you can identify with people at the highest level because they they don't really they're not you know they don't they'll the yips will get anyone um oh yeah if anyone watched me play golf this summer uh (laughs) prime example but where you know as far as that you mentioned that you know throwing with a splint got you out of them what solutions were you looking for beforehand? Was it just every day showing up to the field saying, this is going to be a new day? Did the organization reach out, try to do anything? Uh, you know, what did you, did you, you know, try to work on any sort of solution for that? Or was it just hoping that today's the day? Oh yeah, it was, it was the organization, you know, they sent their, you know, their mental coach, um, just, just trying to have a breakthrough every day, just trying to have a breakthrough. Uh, going in the cage when nobody was in there throwing, you know, trying to throw when I could, when nobody was watching and just anything I could try to get through that. I mean, it was every night after games, you know, driving home, just, just praying, crying. I mean, it was the worst thing in sports. It's one of the hardest things in sports you can go through. Um, and I've, one of the biggest times was, Mitch, our, you know, the head minor leagues for the race, he he sent uh, Jamie Nelson. He told Nelly, Nelly was actually in the big leagues at that time, coaching and and or breaking through to the big leagues. But Nelly came down for and he stayed with me for about a month, uh, just every day throwing. Just he would throw to me. I'd throw back to him on the mound, and just every day, constantly. And, and you know, he was one of the ones that told me about. <laughs> Uh, miss with your driver and not your irons he was playing golf with boz our pitch coordinator and he was teeing off with an iron and boz said you know hey bub why are you doing that and he said now i said because i'm accurate with it and he said well you look like a girl you know miss with your driver if you're gonna miss so that's what i was trying to start doing uh the guy would strike out i'd go to throw it around and just crow hop and and let it eat if i might bounce it to the left field wall or or i might short hop the guy at third you know, third baseman didn't like that philosophy as much but it it was a start and all the while you're still trying to hit pro pitching in a pitcher's league yes you, yes i mean that, how, how'd you even how'd you find time to even try to work on work on your offense that that was another frustrating part about it was because the 2012 spring training i was on fire i was that was my best spring training year offensively I've I was on I, I figured out a lot of things throughout that offseason I did a lot of work um and I, I figured out a lot in my swing you know starting everything earlier slowing everything down 
and I had a great spring. Um, and then to throw that, and that was kind of a thing I was thinking all springs, you know, man, this, this sucks with catching. I can't throw, but at least I'm hitting, you know, and, and then that kind of just faded into the frustration of, of not being able to throw. Well, you, you end up getting out of the yips, like you mentioned, with the uh, throwing in a splint with that, that boxer's fracture. And that sounds like when, when you got healthy, everything would have been great if you would have stayed healthy. Right. What, what else, you know, what was the next, the next speed bump in the road? Uh, well, you know, I finished out 2012 and, and the Rays wanted me to go play winter ball. And, and honestly, I, I was just, I was over the stress of, of the yips. I was, over, you know, I finally got through the year and, and I just wanted a break. Um, so, you know, I did my whole off season routine, you know, just hunting and working out pretty much. And, you know, coming back into that next year, 2013, I figured, you know, I'd, I was going to repeat high A. So, you know, I get, we break from spring. I have a normal spring. I still have the bad thoughts a little bit about the yips in the back of my head, but I keep, you know, once you get through them, you get through them. And that was one of the main things that, that I wanted to come from that was just maybe I can help people get through the yips that, that haven't done this before. And uh, so I get through spring and, and we break for, for the teams and, you know, I sit down, um, Brady Williams was our manager that year in high eight and he, you know, him and the other coordinators, they just said, Hey, you know, Hey, we need, you know, you got to do something this year, year, you got to do something, you know, put up or shut up. So yeah, I was really trying to be more of a mature hitter. Uh, tried to not just get up there and, and drive the ball and try to hit home runs, but to just have a singles approach, you know, get, try to get walks. And my goal was through a hundred at bats to just get one hit a game. Um, so I was trying to hit, you know, the goal was hit 300 to hundred bats. So my, my thought was try to get one hit a game, uh, one hit, one walk. So about two weeks in, I, uh, we were facing the twins and I get hit in the hand by 97 and that broke my hand. So you want to name names? <laughs> no, 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 I, <laughs> I, uh, man, it's just, you know, I stayed in there too long. <laughs> I, uh, it wasn't a breaking ball like I thought. And, you know, it wasn't nothing intentional. It just, you know, one high and in. And I stayed in and it got me on the hand perfect. You know, so now my hand's in a, a, a uh, cast for the third time being with a raise. And, uh, so I finally get back from that, you know, a month month and a half later I get back from that injury and it was two games after that that we were facing the Yankees and I got hit in the face by 98 and and then not ideal at all no no that's not that's not the way you want to start your season of of this is a put up and shut up or shut up year and so you know I, I, and all the while uh Kirk Casale was the guy that me and him were we're kind of piggybacking back and forth, carrying the load, and and uh, and you know he's in the big leagues. And after I got hit in the face, you know it, it was it was all Kurt. And you know I came back from it, and you know I just kind of sat in my place. Then you know they said I had to earn my spot 
back and and it was you know it's just kind of all bad luck i mean i understand completely uh but it's just it's just the way it goes the way the way baseball is the hardest thing to do is stay healthy and i'm (laughs) i fully understand that i mean you're you're 22 years old you've spent since april of your senior year of high school you basically spent your entire baseball life just trying to stay healthy, not to mention trying to be a professional catcher, professional hitter, everything else that would go into that if you could stay off you know, the DL. How'd you feel, uh, you know, 40 years of that? Was the game, was baseball itself still fun to you? I mean, it was still fun. It was still, you know, it was fun being in the clubhouse, fun being on the field, fun. Everything was still fun, but, you know, as far as it kind of starts to feel like you know, baseball's chewing you up and spitting you out. Um, you know, things aren't going your way. It's it's very tough, especially when you're doing it every day. Um, it's it was very, very it was you know, just it not changed me, but it changed a lot of how I see things. I mean, it's just you get very, very humbled very fast. Are there any thoughts after that season of, hey, maybe pro baseball isn't for me anymore? No. No, it was never, I never had those thoughts. I, I always, you know, considered myself to be one of the better catchers that I ever played with or against. And, you know, I just, it wasn't, it wasn't going my way at the time. Uh, it was never any really, really bad thoughts um, as far as this isn't for me or it was still, I can do this. I just, I just got to stay healthy. And, you know, next year, 2014 you're 23 you get to double a for the first time but it's it's another shortened year um, yeah what, yeah you know, walk it, me it, through that one it was you know we break from camp and i get to go to montgomery which is an hour and a half from my hometown in lagrange georgia and i was pumped you know i get there and and then i find out that i'm not on the roster you know i'm a you know kind of a backup guy that so I was a bullpen catcher, and, you know, that was just – that was very, very surreal. I mean, almost, you know, seconds to the day that I got released in spring training, the, you know, the next year. Uh, just kind of surreal moment, just, you know, another humbling experience. Uh, but I tried to – I talked to the manager, you know, Brady was actually my manager again, and I uh, just tried to tried to make the best of it. Tried to be, you know, a good bullpen catcher. Tried to be a good clubhouse guy, and um, you know, just get through the year, and and hopefully things would change. And then, you know, I get put on the roster in in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, playing the Suns, and and then, you know, played uh, maybe a month or two, or you know, on the uh, on the roster, and then and then I got sent back down to uh, Port Charlotte after that. How did you feel about your talent at that point or just your ability to play the game? Did you did you think it had suffered um or did did you still think that if if you got back in a groove you could still be that the guy that you were when when you signed out of the 4th round? Uh I definitely it wasn't my attitude that changed. It was more of just my professionalism. I I mean, I was, was kind of lazy uh when I, you know, when I reported for AA when we after we broke spring training, when I found out I wasn't on the roster, I just kind of kind of bombed about everything. Um, kind of felt sorry for myself for a little bit, and 
and uh, just didn't – I lost a little bit of focus almost of just the long-term goal. I mean, just I kind of got stuck in the here and now and just wasn't very professional as far as just getting myself ready every day. Um, and when, you know, then when I got sent back down to Port Charlotte, it was – it showed because, you know, back to Port Charlotte, back to the heat, back to that, that grind and that humidity. And, um, you know, just just felt like I was letting everything kind of slip away that I worked so hard for for, you know, 18 years. That offseason, the, the 2014 offseason before 2015 spring training, did you did you try to get in the same routine that, that you had in the past of getting in shape? Or were you just kind of taking things as they as they came and just hey we'll we'll see how spring training goes. I was still as far as getting prepared. I was still you know getting after it and doing my normal routine. But I was also kind of thinking you know hey what am I going to do if this doesn't work out? What am I going to you know am I going to go back to school? Am I going to do this or that? And and just kind of you know kind of eye opener. Just what's going to happen next? Um, so. It was a little bit of both, but, you know, still focused on spring training and, and the task at hand, but it was also a lot of a lot of what ifs and a lot of, you know, what am I going to do if this doesn't work out? Well, you get, you get released at the end of spring training, and I guess you're kind of faced with that decision of, you know, what should I do? And you choose to, you, you head to any ball. Why, you know, what, what made that the, the route at that point? Um, well, I just... I guess still the same confidence in myself. Um, you know, I knew that I was better than what has I've been or what has happened. And I told myself I was going to give it two years. Um, you know, by then I'd already had my daughter and, uh, it was just, you know, the whole picture of life started to get more clear and, you know, I wasn't going to chase, you know, just this far out dream, but I also wanted to do what was best for me and was best for my family. And I know that, you know, baseball is, is what I was the best at. So we, you know, get that call from Pete and Cavillia and Laredo and, and, uh, Jimmy Moe reached out to him, Jim Morrison, which was my manager 2012, the year I had the yips. Um, he reached out to Pete and Pete called me. And, um, so then I, I headed to Laredo, Texas in April uh, for, I was very excited. I mean, just, it was almost felt like a fresh start. And you got in 84 games that year between Laredo and, and Fargo more, the, the most that you'd ever play as a professional. And then your 33 games in Fargo, you tore the cover off the ball. Yeah. Uh, you had an 860 OPS. Did that year kind of bring fun back in baseball for you? Very much. So I've just kind of, being myself, um, just competing, you know, the aspect of indie ball is a lot different than minor leagues. Like we talked about earlier, indie ball is, you know, it's built to win. They want to, they're winning games. It's very competitive. They're, they're moving guys in and out. Um, a lot of roster changes. It's very, very competitive and it's a constant put up or shut up. Um, so I, I enjoyed indie ball every second of it. I, the competitiveness, the you know the guys, the the variety of guys you're with. You know you got some guys out of college, some guys you know big league veterans, uh, 
and just so many different types of ball players, um, different ages and and uh, just it was all a great experience. I I really really like I said, I felt like I had a breath of fresh air. I you know went to Laredo and and just kind of tried to be the hitter I am or you know do what I've learned out of my failures with the Rays and and make changes and and just kind of finally realize hey what I was doing as a hitter doesn't work <laughs> I, I need to I have to make changes so I I did and and it it finally paid off you know I went through Laredo and for half the season and ended up going to Fargo for the rest of it and and that was the first time when I went to Fargo it was the first time that I played in in really nice weather. Uh, it was you know 70 and and breezy, almost everywhere we went, and it was awesome. I mean, I felt great. Uh, was hitting the ball good. Fargo was a great. It was one of the best places I ever played as far as fans. I mean, they're 5,000 fans almost every game up there, and and it was that was a great great experience. That was one of the best experiences in pro ball that I had as a whole was when I went up there in 2015 for the end of that season and just kind of feeling like the player that I expected out of myself as far as, you know, offense and defense. So you headed back again in 2016. I mean, that makes sense. You had such a good experience. What made, you know, 2016, what made that your last season in professional baseball? Uh, well, you know, I started off slow offensively, um, and it just, you know, like I said, it's, it's a put up and shut up constantly with independent ball, you know. And so when they decided they wanted to make a move and and kind of get rid of me and bring somebody else in that was hot um, at the plate, and you know, I, I completely understood. So, you know, I went home and I got a call from uh, another indie ball team in in Winnipeg, Canada, and which. Another great place to play with a lot of fans. Bold uh, eyes. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of just, you know, that was my two years that I kind of gave myself um, in any ball. I, I just felt like it was, you know, after getting released three times, um, I just needed to do something for my family. You know, by then I had my son, so you know, now I have two kids, a wife, and and uh, just you know, a lot of responsibility. So. I decided, you know, that was it. You know, I need to step away and and you know, get everything, do everything I could for my family. And so, how did you feel about baseball and retirement day? The day that you officially said, you know, I'm hanging it up. What was your, you know, how did you sum up your career? What were your feelings on the sport after, you know, an, an admittedly really tough go of it from a from a health perspective? I mean, just the just the respect um, for the guys that, that make it. I mean, whether, no matter who it is, any guy in the big leagues, anybody that's, you know, had a 10-year pro career. I mean, you know, Justin, he's going on his 10 years in pro ball, and he's still grinding out in minor leagues. I mean, with AAA breakthroughs and, you know, big league spring trainings, I mean, he's still, he's still getting after it. Um, all the guys that are still – still out there you know uh it a ton of respect you know the big leaguers that are playing until they're 35 their bodies i mean they're the way they prepare themselves it's 
you don't know it till you've seen it. And, you know, like me, I, I had different luck, but it was all great. All the experiences, all the memories and the trial and errors, it was all, it was all worth it. Is there anything that you, you kind of wish you would have known or, or done differently about how you, how you prepared yourself kind of day? I mean, I think obviously you probably, you know, in retrospect, wish you could have ducked a few fastballs, but (laughs) as far as, as far as how you went about your business for the most part, and you know, if if you could have a conversation with, with 18 year old Luke Bailey, like, Hey man, you do this, things might be a little bit easier for you in, in the next few years. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's grow up. Uh, you're not facing high school pitching anymore. You're not facing non-professionals anymore. You're facing guys that, you know, that got paid to pitch. You're facing guys that got paid to make diving plays in the six hole and stand up and throw you out by five steps. I mean, you're, you're facing the real deal. Um, you know, your body, you're getting your body's your job. Um, take care of yourself. Take care of your legs. Uh, but as a hitter, I think as a hitter was where I'd, I'd admit that I was not ready for pro ball. Just I don't the gap, the year gap between injury and facing pro pitching, or what it was, or just the simple immature m- approach of I think I'm gonna hit every pitch out of the park. You know, it's it's take your singles, <laughs> take your Take what you're given and uh, just be a smarter hitter. Do you think there's anything that organizations can do a better job of of preparing guys for that competition bump? Uh, no, I, I really don't. I, every you know, every guy that I've talked to, and I know with the Rays, they were they couldn't have done any more. The Rays were a top class organization, and everybody I've talked to, every young guy out of high school, they Every organization is very, you know, hands-on. They have they have guys in there that have been there and done that. They know what it takes, um, and they're all very, very helpful for everything that's going on. You know, they're controlling at times, and they let you go off the, you know, off the reins at times. And it's it's all up to that kid. It's all up to, you know, stay healthy. You're at the right place at the right time. You keep grinding. You know. Things will work out. Well, Luke, you've given me a ton of time about your past, about your career. Um, I'm, I'm going to try not to take too much too much more time from you, but I'd be remiss to to talk about a little bit about the future of baseball because you decided, you know, you're not you, you didn't go to college. You decided to to get into coaching, and you're in you know today's travel ball system. You're in that kind of grinder. You and I are the same grad year. It's crazy how much has changed, I think, with travel baseball and the business around it and, and you know how many teams there are in just a little over a decade. What are you taking from your pro career and your coaching career? What, are you tra- what experiences specifically are you trying to impart on the kids that you work with? Uh, the biggest thing is, you know, the the trial and errors that I had as a hitter, uh, I think helped me a lot as a coach just to know what I did to get out of funks, know what put me in them, you know, know what I did when I was successful, know what I did when I failed. Um, you know, your body, take care of your body. You know, you can't do anything without your legs. You know, 
all, all, every young kid doesn't want to use his legs and anything. And, you know, it's, uh, the, all the ups and downs, I think really prepared me for coaching. And, you know, as far as the travel ball world goes, it's, it's got its goods, bads. I mean, it's, you know, baseball is not for everybody. Baseball is a very hard sport. Baseball, it's like I saw something the other day. You can take any baseball player and put him in any sport, and he will do decent. But you can't take any any athlete and put him against 95-mile-an-hour fastball and expect anything from him. Um, it's just – it's different, you know. So it's a very, very hard sport um, with – a lot of failing, you know, so one of the things that, and I'm very you know familiar with that as well. One of the things I'd preach to the kids is it doesn't help crying about it. It doesn't help, you know, whining. It doesn't help, you know, whining to your mama or daddy or, or them whining about it. You know, nobody cares, you know, you put up or shut up. It's, it's, uh, at the end you're doing travel ball for, a reason you're doing it to get to college baseball you're doing it to get to pro baseball you know whatever it may be it's 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 what every other kid in the world is doing at the same time so there's no point in feeling sorry for yourself there's no point in in trying to be the best kid on your team because ultimately you're trying to be the best one out of everybody you're trying to be the best 14 year old in the tournament or in the state or in the country so it's a uh, what I tell them is if you're going to do travel ball, I mean, you just, you're out there to compete. You're not out there to win, uh, you know, a little ring or a little trophy for that tournament. You're, you're trying to compete. You're trying to win a scholarship every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's crazy how many, how many travel team, how deep it's going. You see traveling nine-year-old teams and, and things like that. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see the, the fruits of that labor, over the next 10 to, you know, 10 to 20 years, if, if kids are coming out more or less prepared for the next level, because I think there's a lot of drawbacks when it comes to, I think you mentioned it with like parents calling and a little more daddy ball that, that doesn't line up when you get to college or you get to pro ball and not only, you know, you, you're having to control your own life in every, in every aspect. Um, the last thing to, you know, the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll get you out here with is I think, and this is something that one of the few things that I think we can both identify on from, from my personal experience as well is when, when baseball, when, when your playing career is over, I think one of the best things about baseball and the toughest thing to, one of the toughest things to replace aside from like the clubhouse, the guys is the competitive itch, the, you know, competing day in, day out, either with yourself or, or on the field. It's very tough to replace for me. It was definitely kind of a hole. What do you do to scratch that competitive itch? How do you bring <laughs> that, bring that competition back in yourself? Uh, it's, it's everything. Any of my friends will tell you that if you come to my house, we're not watching TV. More than likely we're playing darts. We're playing ping pong. We are something. We're in my yard hitting golf balls. Uh, it's it's everything. We, you know, softball. It's a big thing um, I do now. Softball, golf, uh, darts, cornhole, ping pong. It's 
now it's try to beat everybody and everything else besides just baseball. <laughs> new challenges, new yeah, new challenges right. for just for the post career. Prove everybody you know can't hide an athlete. I'll beat you in everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Luke, appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. If you ever make it down to San Antonio, we'll go compete in some golf. Yes, sir. Sounds All good. Right, well, thanks for having me. Of course. Take it easy. You too. And that's a wrap on episode four from Phenom to the Farm. Again, huge thanks to Luke Bailey for taking the time, sharing his story. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star rating and a review. Uh, Make sure you're checking out BaseballAmerica.com to get all the baseball content you need to help you through this this baseball shutdown. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Banduho and check out my weekly sports movie podcast, Big Screen Sports, every Monday. Hope everyone stays safe, stays healthy, and we will catch you in two weeks with another episode from Phenom to the Farm. Thanks.